Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. It is a great privilege to get to be with you guys today. I am excited. I am, first of all, thankful. I, I, I hope that you know how grateful uh, myself and my wife and, and those who are part of this new church plant are for a church like Willow Ridge, um, who's willing to, to see the value and the need for the work that, that we're um, trusting in God to do in Utah and to come alongside us and partner. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to share God's Word this morning and to share a little bit of our story and of what God's doing <clears throat> in Utah. Um, I'll start there. Uh, you, if you have a card there, you saw a picture. I've got another picture here of our family. Um, so unfortunately, they were not able to travel out with me, but that is my wife, is Sarah. Um, now they're all, um, she's not a lot taller than our oldest daughter now, um, but she's the one in the middle. And Sarah is an incredible blessing in my life and to our family and to our church. And she wanted me to make sure and share how, how much she wishes she could be here to meet you and how grateful she is for you. We also have two daughters. Ellie is on the right side, the one that is about to be taller than my wife. She is our 10-year-old, and she is our mature, knows almost everything, beautiful daughter. Um, we, we love her dearly. She is, she is amazing. And then Sadie on the left side is our almost 8-year-old here in a couple weeks, and she is our rotten, silly, goofball daughter. And maybe you have both of those personalities in your house as well. But as a family, God has called us to uproot our lives and move to Utah. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, I want to just go ahead and set the scene. Bo, Bo described this. So I want to tell you a little bit more detail about the place we live and, and a little bit about what makes this place so unique. So there's another picture there. This aerial view, this is what we call the Salt Lake Valley. So on the right side there, you see some mountains. That's the Wasatch Mountains. They're beautiful um, mountains um, full of ski resorts and everything else. Um, and on the left side, you see some other mountains, smaller mountains. On the top left side, you see some water there. That is the southern end of the Great Salt Lake. The Great Salt Lake is, is very large, and it looks beautiful from a distance. Um, it looks beautiful at sunset. There, there's a lot of beauty in it until you get outside and smell it or see all the dead animals that drink its water and stuff like that. But... But it's worth seeing, okay? Just don't get in it. Um, but that's our area. And in the middle there, in the valley, um, that is home to over a million people. Close to 1.2 million people live in the Salt Lake Valley. And specifically, that shaded-in area, that red area there, is the west side of a city called West Jordan, Utah, which is a suburb there in the valley. And that's where we live 
That's where our girls go to school. That's where Hope Valley Church will be meeting. And that is the community that we are focused on um, reaching out to with the gospel of Jesus. A few things about that community, though. There are nearly 60,000 people living in that shaded area, um, and it is quickly growing. There is still land that is available for development out there, um, but that is some of the only land left in the valley. So it's quickly growing. And among those 60,000 people, only about 2.5% of those people would profess to be saved by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ. That two and a half percent of those people, and this would be true of the whole state of Utah, that two and a half percent are evangelical Christians, believers of the true gospel of Jesus. And further, in that shaded area, in that area that is home to these 60,000 people, there are zero evangelical Christian churches. In fact, the only non-Latter-day Saint church of any kind in that area is a Spanish-speaking church. There's a tremendous need for gospel-preaching evangelical churches. And that's what God's called us to, and that's why we are planting this church in the heart of this community and focusing our efforts on this community. Um, some things you, you may or may not know about Utah. You, you might already know that Utah is the, the kind of home and world headquarters of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, and that is very true, and that shapes the, the culture of our area. It's also, though, home to a growing number of, of just non-religious people, whether they're agnostic or atheistic. Uh, most of our growth is coming in from California, um, and, and it's a lot of um, just non-religious people. And so while we um, in some ways see that the percentage of our population that is members of the LDS churches is, is decreasing, it does not mean that it's becoming more evangelical, more Christian, because in fact, it's, it's actually just becoming a larger percentage of, of non-religious. But here's what we have found, and here's what, what we want you to hear clearly. These people, there are neighbors, there are friends, there are community members that we love dearly. And they are not an enemy, they are not a project, but that they are people created in God's image who have been separated from God because of sin and need to hear the truth of how they can be reconciled and brought back into relationship with God and find abundant life in Him. And these people, our, our greatest hope, our greatest desire for them is that, as 1 Peter 1.3 says, that because of the great mercy of God the Father, that they will experience new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's our prayer. That's our hope. Um, our, our hope is not to build a church full of a lot of people that makes us look good. Our hope is to see people by the saving power of Jesus brought back into relationship with him. This morning, we're going to read from and be in Matthew chapter 16 um, here in just a couple minutes. So I invite you, you can go ahead and turn over there. 
And as you're doing that, I want to tell you a little bit more about my family's story and what's brought us to where we're at. Um, and so you can know, know more about that and, um, and see how God is working in that. For me, I have, up until July of last year, I've lived my whole life in the state of Oklahoma. I, for uh, about the last 15 years, have served um, a, a few different local churches across Oklahoma as a student pastor. And I have always been known that I was called to do that work, and I was very content in that call. I, I did not view it as, as, a, as something I was going to do for a little while and then church plan or pastor or something else. Um, I, I viewed it as, as where God had me unless he showed me that he was doing something else. And what happened in our lives is that about three years ago, in the summer of 2018, God showed us that he was doing something else. And in my wife's heart and in my heart, um, individually, God showed us um, in a short period of time, God stirred us that he was calling us to be a part of church planning. Um, he, he stirred us that that was in an in a area that was outside of kind of the Bible Belt area um, where we had known most of our life. Um, and, and, and through a course of about six months, six to, to ten months, um, God began to really give us clarity and really continue to confirm that. And through that course, he began to really show us that Utah was this, the place, that the Salt Lake City area was the place where he was calling us to. Now, it was a place I didn't know much about, but as, I, as, I, as he put it on our minds and as we began to learn more about it and talk to people who were there doing ministry and see the incredible need, but to see the amazing and become burdened for the incredible people that are there who um, have such limited access to the truth um, of the gospel, of the true gospel. And, and as we took all that in, it became something we just could not shake. And so, in the middle of uh, everything that was 2020... Um, a pandemic and everything else, it seemed like the perfect time to go ahead and just add a little bit of change to our lives, right? So in July of last year, we picked up and left western Oklahoma to move to the Salt Lake City area of Utah. And as we've settled in there um, and, and begin to, to meet our neighbors and doing the work to prepare for what this summer will begin the first public worship gatherings of Hope Valley Church, um, as we've worked towards all of that, um, trusting in God to work, and we've found such peace in being where God has called us. It's been hard, and it's um, overwhelming at times, and, and it's, there's a lot of uncertainties about it. But of knowing that it is what God has called us to has been a, been a great joy uh, for our family. And so today... Um, as, I, as I just mentioned, like when we think about a task like I'm thinking about in our lives, a task of, of starting a church in an area where there are none, or you think about tasks that, that you have coming up in your life, and you think about things that God is calling you to, and if you're like me, you can get overwhelmed with those things. And I can think about in my life how um, in those busy seasons or in those seasons where there's a lot of uncertainty, how, how I'm often prone to stress and just discouragement and wondering, how is all this going to happen? 
But today I want to share a great, great encouragement with you. And, and here's that encouragement is that the fact that God is the one who will do the work. He is the one who will build his church. He is the one who will save people, restore them into relationship with himself. And it's not just an encouragement for a church planner or a pastor or a church staff member or a missionary. This is an encouragement that is for anyone who professes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's an encouragement that you are not the one in control. You are not the one responsible for the results, but our Lord Jesus is. So let's read from Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now there's a lot in this passage that we're not going to be able to um, speak in detail to this morning. In fact, we're really just going to focus on verse 18 here. Um, but before we get to that, we do want to see um, what, what is happening here. As Jesus is with his disciples, um, he, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, well, some say Elijah or John the Baptist or Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and these are all accurate answers of what the people would be saying and as they think about um, the Jewish context. And, but, but then he changes this and he says, but who do you say that I am? And here we see Peter replies. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is this first New Testament confession of Jesus as Messiah, as the Christ. And, and it's such an important understanding for us to see here. And it, as we get, like I said, we'll focus on verse 18 um, and, and spend our time there this morning. Let's pray first, though. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I pray that today you reveal your truth to us, you encourage us with it, to continue in the work of the Great Commission, to continue in the work of, of making your gospel known and walking faithfully, being obedient to you. Lord, I pray that you'll speak your truth by your power through your spirit today. Amen. So, first thing we want to see in verse 18 here is that Jesus will build his church. Um, it, it says that very clearly, Jesus in verse 18 says, I will build my church. Now, I want us to understand, though, that the pronouns are not unimportant here. We see the word I and the word my, which tells us both who will do the work and who owns the product, who owns what's being made. Jesus will build his church. 
Um, the church does not belong to us. We do not build it. You are not the owners of Willow Ridge Church. I am not the owner of Hope Valley Church. It is not ours. It is Jesus' church. And when we understand that it is His, we also understand and trust that, that He cares for it. And that He is the one who has built it, and He is the one who will sustain it, and He is the one who will um, come alongside His people. He's the one who's chosen to use us. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but that it's His church. That God has not called us to do what only He can do. He has called us to faithfulness. Um, as I was even just flying in yesterday, I was reading a book, and, and I came across this quote from a, a pastor named Paul Tripp. He, he writes that faithfulness is what God asks of us. The rest is entirely up to his sovereignty and the power of his grace. In a sermon from David Platt, he said it this way. He said that a high view of God's sovereignty helps, it fuels death-defying devotion to global missions. So the higher that our view of God is, the greater our faith will become to risk everything for His glory. And there's risk in it, right? There's risk in what we're doing. There's risk that we will do everything we feel like we know we're called to do, to plant this church, and that nothing will happen, that people won't get saved, that people won't attend, that it just feels like it failed. There's risk. There's risk in, in sharing Christ with your neighbor. There's risk. But the risk is worth it when we understand that God is in control, that He is sovereign, that He is the one who goes before us, that He is the one who wants the work to be done more, infinitely more than we can even grasp. Our desires, our, our kingdom gospel-focused desires, those desires are given to us by God, but, but they're so much smaller than, than the the vastness of those in the heart of God, okay? He wants the work done. And so in this, we understand, like, um, and, and it keeps us going when we feel overwhelmed, when we think about the things we can't do. Some of those things I think about is, is I, I can't create the, the resources and the finances needed for the work we're trying to do. I can't on my own make, make other disciples of Jesus um, decide to join us in this work. I can't grant ourselves favor among our neighbors. I can't cause people who are lost, who are dead in their sin, to know that the only way out is through trusting in the grace of Jesus. I, I, I can't do these things. But what we know and what Scripture tells us so clearly and what the faithfulness of God shows is that but, but God can and that He will and this truth is not exclusive to pastors or church staff people or missionaries. It is a truth that is for every believer in Lord Jesus. It is a truth that is for all disciples. It's that you can't do the work, but that God wants to use you. He wants to use you to do His work 
as we'll see um, now. It's still in verse 18, but we'll kind of go back and look at the first part that we skipped. And, it, and we'll see this, that we'll see that he will build it upon his disciples. Talking about the church, that Jesus will build the church upon his disciples. It says in verse 18, he says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, um, this verse is a source of, of great, has been over the, the centuries in the church history, of great controversy. Okay? For the Roman Catholic Church, this is a, from this verse, they look and they say that Peter was the first pope, and they take that from this. Um, often as a reaction to that teaching, which we know is not, is not true, um, we, we often see this passage interpreted as saying that this phrase, upon this rock, is in fact only, uh, only referring to Peter's confession um, a few verses ahead where he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That they say, well, upon this rock means that. Well, in fact, we, we see that he is referring to Peter here. When he says rock, that is the meaning of the name Peter that, that he's been given. But that doesn't mean we have to go to this, this view that we, we talked about from the Catholic Church. Um, we, we can understand it a little bit better as we look at other places in Scripture. One of those is in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I'm going to read verses 19 through 21. Here it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens... With the, with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That is, it, Christ has built the church upon the apostles, the disciples, faithful believers. Okay, And so Peter, as he is the first here who has made this public confession that Jesus is the Christ, that he's saying, upon you, upon those who have believed in me, I'll build my church. Um, and, and we understand that this is by his sovereign power, that he'll save people, he'll build his church, but the obedient work of his disciples is his chosen tool. It's his instrument. Um, God has called us to be a tool um, for my family in planning what we call Hope Valley Church in West Jordan, Utah. God has also called Christians from across the globe to be his chosen instruments to take the gospel forward. One special way that, that you, as Willow Ridge Church, um, are doing that is through partnering with us. That even in a, in a way that you have not been, I, I take it most of you have probably not ever been to Salt Lake City even, but that, that you're able to partner in the gospel ministry there through this partnership, through finances, through prayer, which we do not just mention as something that it seems like we're supposed to say because we're good Christians, but I mentioned it as saying that I know we desperately need your prayer, okay? Through sending teams, as Bo mentioned, there will be students out this summer. Through those things, you get to partner in that. But we also, um, for us, I, I know firsthand that the one way Jesus builds his church is by calling out people to uproot their lives, to, to be God's chosen instrument in a place that needs his gospel. 
And it, so it might be that um, while there is always great commission work to be done wherever we are, but it might be that God um, chooses and calls you out to use you in a place that is not your home, a place that is not where you've lived before. Um, and as we think about all these things, we also have to understand and see um, a really important part of it, okay? That this verse, and, and it continues, but, but that verse 18 doesn't end right there. As the end of verse 18 um, says that, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, that Jesus' church will prevail over darkness. Because as you have encountered in this life, there is darkness. As we encounter what, what becomes really heavy for us is when we drive around in our community and we just look at rooftops. Or when I go to my daughter's bedrooms, which are on the top floor of our house, and overlook the whole valley, and I just look at all the rooftops. And when I think about the fact that over 97% of those, those rooftops are represented by families that do not know the hope that we have in Jesus, it gets real. And we understand the darkness of the place. But darkness is everywhere. Hell is real. We know very clearly from Scripture that anyone who has not trusted in Jesus for their salvation, for the forgiveness of their sins, is bound for hell. We also know that Satan and his demonic forces are likewise very real, and that they are in great opposition to the work of the one true gospel. But Jesus promises here that hell will not win. We know that victory was secured when Jesus took on the penalty of sin, all of our sins, upon the cross. That he triumphed over death by rising on the third day. And in fact, we, we're one week from Easter. We remember, we just um, celebrated Easter, um, that Jesus rose again. And there is no greater testimony of God's sovereignty, of his power to save people, than the resurrection. There's nothing greater. And as we think about this, we think about these and, and trust in these truths um, that Jesus saves sinners. That Jesus saves sinners. We don't. We're powerless to do that. We're, we're a faithful witness is what we are. Um, that Jesus builds his church. His church. He builds it. That he uses the faithful obedience of his disciples to accomplish his glory. And that hell opposes it, but God has already won the victory. And that is, that's enough. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, whatever it is that God has, is, is speaking to you in your life, whatever the things are that you know... Um, you need to be obedient to those facts are enough to allow us to walk faithfully, to say, God, I am yours. Use me. I know I can't do it. Um, the, greatest, the greatest source of, of help for me to trust in God right now is knowing that there is no way that I can figure out how to do what I'm supposed to do right now, um, that I can figure out how to plant this church apart from the power of God. 
And so when, when we reach that point, it's a good place to be because we can choose and embrace and know that it is all because of his power, that he is enough. He will do it. He has called us his faithful. But I, I do want to, um, I, I hope you're encouraged in that. I do also want to share just some, some specific ways in our lives right now and in the life of Hope Valley Church right now in its very infancy um, that you can be joining us in prayer and, and praying for God to w do this work and praying for God to bring the people and the things and, and everything together for it. The first of those ways is that um, join us in praying for people. Be praying for other Christians. Um, we, we have some people, but we desire and, and hope and are praying for God to bring other Christians to join us in the work at Hope Valley Church. Whether those are Christians um, um, in another church already in the valley who, who get the vision um, to help start another church. Or whether those are Christians who are living in, an, in another state right now, as, um, as we have people we've talked to um, who have come out and visited and are praying about that. And we are also praying for others we don't even know of yet um, that might follow God's call on that. But also for people who do not yet know Jesus. People who do not yet know the, the gospel of Jesus. Um, the, the true gospel, that, that God saves by grace alone, okay? Um, uh, this, that is, is hard in our area as, as for our LDS neighbors and friends. They understand the gospel very differently. Praying that as we proclaim the, the truths of the gospel— as we talk about the truths of Jesus' work um, and salvation, that they will hear that. Um, we were convinced that we, our, our task is not to, like, argue people out of their beliefs. Our task is not whether they're an LDS friend or an agnostic or atheist friend. Our, our task is not to convince them they're wrong, but our task is to show them the truth, is, is to show them what truth is, to show them who Jesus is and what the gospel truly is, and to show them that there is hope, that they can trust in that, because we believe that the truth speaks, okay? doesn't mean we won't deal and talk about hard things, but we want the gospel to be what we are known for. We want the truth of it to be what we are known for. We want any offense to be in, in Jesus. And will you pray for those people? We pray for the resources um, as we get equipment and things like that. We'll be meeting in a dance studio and um, as we get trailer and equipment and all of those things. We pray for the resources to purchase those things, the resources um, to sustain the ministry of the church. Will you pray for our outreach efforts? This summer, we will be working through our mission teams, Willow Ridge being one of those, um, to make sure by the end of the summer that every home in that area um, that is home to 60,000 people, that every home will receive a door hanger um, that allows them to know that we are here and shows them a way that they can connect with us at a kid's camp and a block party in their neighborhood park. And our goal is that through all of that, at the end of the summer, our, our whole community knows that we are there. 
And that through those things, pray that we have conversations and build relationships, can share the gospel, that people will come to Christ, and that God will build his church. Thank you, Willow Ridge. It is a pleasure to be with you today. Let's pray together. Lord, you are faithful and you are good. We trust in you and we thank you for your incredible work, Lord, that, that there is nothing we could do but it is all because of Jesus. It is all because of you that we have life. And Lord, I pray that today you will encourage us by your truth, by your word, that we will know that we just walk in obedience and that you are sovereign to do the work. Lord, that you will draw sinners to yourself. Lord, that, um, Lord help us to have opportunities to show your gospel, to walk in tr- boldness and obedience and to take risks for your gospel because you have called us out. You have saved us and you're faithful. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.